Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. Let's pray together now. Father, we do thank you that we have this opportunity to come boldly to the throne of grace, to obtain mercy, and to find grace to help in the time of need. We thank you for these brothers and sisters who have assembled with us for the purpose of inspiration and encouragement, for the opportunity to come aside and to build ourselves up in seeing who we are as you see us and doing what we do as you ordain. I thank you for each professional. I thank you for their lives as spirit beings, as souls, and as bodies. We thank you that you are the keeper of all that we are. You're keeper of our spirits, keeper of our souls, keeper of our bodies, and we magnify you. It is in you, sir, that we live and move and have our being. I ask you now, Lord God, to let your precious blood cover us. Let no weapon that is formed against your people prosper and let every tongue that would rise against your people in judgment be condemned. We come against now every hindering spirit. We come against every offending spirit. We come against every work of Satan. Let the blood of Jesus Christ prevail. And we pray, Lord, that you will supply all the needs of all the professionals under the sound of my voice whether they are construction or acquisition of real estate kinds of needs, or whether they are just purely financial and capital needs, or whether they are human resource needs, whether they are systems that are needful, whether there is healing that is needed in the physical body or healing that's needed in the soul or healing that's needed in the spirit realm. We ask you, O God, to let your power flow let your will be done. Let your kingdom come and be manifest. We thank you for it, Lord. Now I ask you, Lord, to let everything that <clears throat> will bring honor and glory to your name be revealed in the lives of these professionals. Bless them as they go, as they are, and as they come. Bless them, keep them, and we give you the glory. We give you the honor. Lord, their personal lives, all of our personal lives, our families, Lord, our family members, loved ones. We pray, oh God, that you will minister to every need and we will give you the glory. We will give you the honor and the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, brothers and sisters, the last time that we were together, we, um, we had a great deal of time with Hannah, the mother of Samuel in the scripture. We talked about, well, you, you see our, our overarching theme continues to be being, becoming, doing, and uh, <clears throat> our, our theme verse has been, now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out from, out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And we talked about the fact that it says, come to yourself in the in the Hebrew, that this is uh, an instruction by God to uh, Abraham, he's Abram at the time, to come and discover the actual Abraham that God had purposed for him to be from the beginning. And last time, we continued talking about the doing side of it. The becoming is a vital part, all of it's vital, um, but we went into the emphasis of the doing last time. And uh, we started talking about Hannah, or Hanaz, probably a better pronunciation, a more accurate pronunciation, but... Uh, uh, it's it's good enough. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 13, 19, that the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, 
the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. And we lifted up Hannah because the Bible explicitly says that she was in bitterness of soul due to the fact that she had not been able to bear a child. As I wrote the summary, as I wrote the summary for the podcast, I want to lift up a paragraph that gives a little context for uh, how we can see Hannah as instructive and illustrative for the kingdom professional, all right? Um, <clears throat> the first concern was Hannah's, that is this concern about uh, being childless, and it was practical. Scripture does not inform us of Hannah's in-house or out-of-house profession, though certainly she was a worker. However, we are reading an ancient Hebrew, that is Eastern, story. So we should not attempt to filter it through a modern Western lens. In that world, she did have a supreme job, quote unquote, an essential function in her mind and in her culture. And that was to produce a husband for her baby. <laughs> to produce a baby for her husband, particularly a son or sons, okay? Her supreme job and essential function in her mind and in her culture was to produce a baby for her husband, particularly a son or sons. It was vitally pragmatic because in such a male-dominated culture as hers, women were economically dependent. Women were almost totally dependent upon their fathers and brothers for food, clothing, shelter, protection, and other needs. Then, having married, they became likewise dependent upon their husbands and, hopefully, if they had them, their sons. Remember that this story is set in the historical era of the judges. When this takes place, it takes place in the part of Bible history that we call the period of the judges. Um, and that period is captured in the book of Judges, Ruth, and 1 Samuel up through chapter 10 and beyond. We recall what a precarious situation Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth faced when all their men had died within a 10-year span. There were no sons. These women were left in utter poverty with no realistic expectations for their shared future. Therefore, if you recall, elderly Naomi had urged the other two women who were still of marrying, childbearing age to return to their family homes where they could yet possibly start over. And it's not without notice that Naomi called herself what Hannah called herself later, bitter. Both of them called themselves bitter. Now, what's that text in Proverbs 13 say, verse 19? The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Hannah says that she is in bitterness of soul because her desire is not accomplished. Her doing that she envisions and that she desires is not accomplished, then not only is there a practical desire, not only is there a practical desire to produce, but there's a personal sense of need to produce. And that is because in addition to childbearing for practical reasons, Hannah wants to be a mother for a symbolic one as well. Uh, she was being harassed by her counterpart, Penina. Penina was not the other woman in the illicit sense. She was Hannah's co-worker, Elkanah's wife as well. They had the same supervisor and the same position in the company. However, Penina appears to have been having babies left and right 
and she was not charitable toward Hannah. Hannah, uh, Penina provoked Hannah and made her fret from day to day, the Bible says. What an uncomfortable work environment in which one professional taunts the other about the latter seeming to be unproductive in a certain area of the business. Badgering can make one bitter. I don't know if there's anyone who's listening or who's viewing today who has ever been badgered, who's ever been attacked or harassed or mocked uh, in the uh, workplace because of some inadequacy, some limitation, maybe something that you didn't know or something that you didn't understand. And instead of someone helping or trying to help you, they took it as an opportunity to mock, to, to badger. All right. But we do know that as it turns out, God was the one who had shut up her womb. And God had shut up her productivity. Apparently, because of the height of his purpose, as opposed to the shallowness of Hannah's purpose. In other words, Hannah wants to have at least one baby so that she will have a sense of validity and worth and maybe be able to get back at Panina. Mm. That's serious, um, Minister Hamlin, very serious. You see that? Hannah wants to have a, a male child for the practical reasons, no doubt. But she definitely wants to have child, male or female, just so that she doesn't feel as if she has no response in the face of this harassment. God, on the other hand, has not forgotten Hannah, but he wants to use Hannah to bring forth a prophetic movement that is going to shift the entire nation and ultimately the world. God's purpose is so much higher than Hannah's purpose. Not that Hannah's reasons aren't understandable. One of them practical, the other personal. It's not that they're not understandable, but God's purpose is always much higher than ours. And furthermore, the fact that Hannah has become bitter. Now, she couldn't help her need to have a child for, for practical reasons. And she could not help what Panina was doing to her personally. Those are things that she could not help. However, what she could help but did not was to get bitter. She got bitter. And uh, it seems as if, again, we, the Bible doesn't explicitly state it, but it seems as if the Lord held back on releasing this child because of the condition of her soul, because of the condition of her emotions and, and her thoughts and all of that kind of thing. She said she's in bitterness of soul. Let me read this to you. The book of Hebrews chapter 12. Talking about bitterness a little bit. We're not going to stay there, but the book of Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says in verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. When you or I become bitter, it does not just contaminate us. It contaminates 
those whom we touch and influence. Do you remember the Greek myth or the Greco-Roman myth of King Midas? You remember he was so greedy. He, he was so uh, hungry for wealth that the gods blessed him but cursed him with the ability that everything that he would touch would turn to gold. It was actually a judgment. And you know that he he just had the time of his life for a while going through touching everything and turning it into gold. Oh, he was having a blast until it was time to eat. And when he picked up his morsel of bread to bite down on it, he's biting down on gold. And when he picks up his cup to drink, he's drinking molten gold. And then the joy of his heart, his precious little daughter came running to him to greet him. And he wants to say, ah, 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 ah. but she, she touches him and she turns to gold. And um, what does he do? He goes and asks the gods, please, please take it back. And of course, the gods gave him a means to reverse the curse. And Midas had learned his lesson. That sometimes to get what you want can cost you. The old preacher preached the sermon entitled, He Got What He Wanted, But He Lost What He Had. Well, just like Midas was obsessed with gold and his lust for gold, avarice, even so, even so, uh, you can decide that you have a, a determination to be bitter. You're gonna, I'm gonna hold it. I'm gonna keep this grievance. I'm gonna keep this offense. I'm not gonna turn this loose. This is mine. This is my anger. This is my wrath. This is my resentment. Fine. But you become just like Midas. And everything you touch is contaminated. Everything that you touch. And many times, it's the one that you love the most that you contaminate with your bitterness. Can you see that? The Bible says that you can cause many to be defiled because of your bitterness. Those of us who are in leadership, uh, and all of us are, but those of us who are in uh, influential positions with people, we really need to watch our spirits. We need to watch our spirits because they can be contagious. In fact, they are contagious. Are you listening? They are contagious. And, and we must be very careful for um, uh, that what we send out is what we want people to get. We have to really watch ourselves. Um, um, an angry, uh, an angry mother or an angry father can beget angry children, can produce an angry household. Angry preacher can can um, develop an angry church, angry congregation. We have to really be careful what kind of spirit that we have. Um, all of us that are in leadership, because we can, we send things out, sometimes consciously, sometimes not consciously. Sometimes you can walk up to a person and you can you can sense a, a, a the term is aura, the term they're using now a lot is energy. You, you, can, you can sense what's coming out from them. And um, sometimes what you're sensing is that person's spirit. So we want to be very careful what it is that we send out, what, what it is that emanates, that pervades out from us. As leaders, we're responsible. Amen? Okay. All right. Well, we're talking about the bitterness-sweetness uh, dichotomy. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. 
uh, Hannah was in bitterness of soul. And you know what? She didn't accomplish and then get rid of the bitterness. She got rid of the bitterness and then she accomplished. Do you hear me? She didn't accomplish and then get rid of the bitterness. She got rid of the bitterness and then God opened her womb. He opened her productivity. If I happen to be talking to anyone today who is bitter for whatever reason, may I encourage you to humble yourself. I'm talking to all of us. Even though I'm speaking in the second person, you is also you. May I encourage you to humble yourself. Why do I say humble yourself? Because if I'm holding resentment or bitterness or malice of any kind, it's because of pride. It's because I think I know better than God because God said, release it. And I say, hold it. So that means I'm proud. That means Anything that lifts my will and my desires and my intentions above the will and desire and intention of God makes me proud categorically. Or I may walk around with my head down and, and, and act pitiful, but that's not what humility is. Humility is submission and obedience to God. And so I want to encourage you to humble yourself and release the bitterness so that you open the way for God to make you fruitful and productive again. Or maybe for the first time in certain areas. Okay. So she she poured out the bitterness. She couldn't do it by herself, though. She had to go to God. She went to the temple. She went to the presence of God. She went into the presence of God and began to pour this thing out through prayer. And God helped her. God helped her. And he even the prophet, the priest, he was he was wrong at first because he's human. But he finally perceived what was going on with her and spoke the word of God over her. He spoke the word when she had not been to her husband. So she was not pregnant yet. But the man of God spoke the word. Go in peace and the Lord grant thee thy petition, which thou hast desired of him. All right. So so when you release that bitterness, you're setting yourself in line with the will of God. All right. We're going a little further. We're, talk, we're still talking about doing. Having that child was Hannah's doing. And you know what? Hannah, listen. Hannah brought forth, listen to this, listen to this now. Hannah brought forth, forth her first son and invested him. I'm speaking using professional terms. She brought forth her first son and invested him. You know, you, you don't eat your seed. You don't eat the first thing that you produce. The first thing that you produce is an investment in the rest of what is going to be your harvest. When God got a resurrected son, when God got a resurrected son, he invested that son. Matter of fact, when he got a when he got a second perfect human son, you know, he had one and lost him. He invested that second perfect human son for many sons. And, and he so invested Jesus that Jesus is still a man. Even though he's God, he's still a man. See, you invest your first. Invest your first. Invest your first. That's why tithing is so important. When we tithe, we invest the first. And uh, uh, God invested his first, uh, his, his second, but now first of the new creation, first son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and he gets a bound of a harvest. Hannah invested her first, and she got five more sons. Uh, five more children, rather. Five, not just sons. She got five more children. Um, sometimes we don't read that part. She didn't just get Samuel. Samuel had five siblings. You understand what I'm saying there? So, so Hannah invested 
Hannah invested that first son in the purpose of God. And uh, and and she wound up being, she had five as of, as of that song that she sang. If she had any more, I don't know, but she definitely had five. First uh, Samuel chapter two, verse 21. This is after Samuel. Matter of fact, look at verse 20. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, the Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. See, that's an investment. That's an investment. Let me read it again. I'm in 1 Samuel 2 and 20. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, the Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. That's an investment. And they went into their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Three sons and two daughters. Isn't that something? Yes, sir. Uh, I believe she had at least one more. We'll talk about that another time. All right. So we're talking about doing. She invested her first doing. And as a result, she got five more. That's, that's, a, major, that's a major return. That's a major return on the investment. You see that? What is it? Uh, over 60 some percent return on the investment. That's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, uh, so her doings, she invested her first doing. She invested her first doing. And uh, the Lord blessed her. All right. Continuing to talk about doing here. Uh, I mentioned to the group this morning that um, uh, Bishop Jakes stated in the conference last week that the thing he enjoyed most about the conference is that by way of the conference, he enables people to see what's on his mind. To, to see what it is that he's been thinking. And uh, that was rich, very rich. Um, a, a plethora of gifted men and women who spoke and presented and all of that. Um, he said he enjoyed people being able to see into his thoughts, see into his mind. And that is a biblical principle for doers. Come on, kingdom professionals. It is a kingdom uh, uh, professional principles, a kingdom principle. God gives ideas. Dr. Miles Monroe used to say that the most powerful thing in the world is an idea. Uh, and I'm inclined to agree. Because everything that we see around us is the manifestation of some idea. Before there was a mobile device, there was an idea of the mobile device. Before there was a plastic water bottle, there was the idea. Instead of having water in clay pots and in skins of animals, put them in plastic. Instead of putting them in metal, put them in the most powerful thing in the world is an idea. All right. So everything that we see around us began as an idea. And that's how God works. That's how God works. The Bible says in the beginning was the idea. John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Logos. 
from which we get our word logic. In the beginning was the thought. In the beginning was the idea. In the, in the beginning was the plan. In the beginning was the purpose of God. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Amen? All right. And then verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh. That is, the idea became incarnate. The I-D-E-A became I-N-C-A-R-N-A-T-E. The idea became incarnate. Jesus is the incarnation. The man Christ Jesus is the incarnation of God's idea. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, that's powerful. And when you do, when you, see, before Jesus, God predicted, God promised. But in Christ, God produced. He promised redemption, but in Christ, he produced salvation. He promised deliverance. He promised salvation, but in Christ, he produced, presented, performed salvation. The idea became incarnate. The Jesus is the enfleshment of God's intention. Incarnation of God's idea. Even so, even so, when you, see, this is about you now. I, I need you to, I need you to engage this. This is about you because you were created how? In his image after his likeness. God starts with the idea. And then the idea is incarnated or is uh, crystallized in whatever form. The whole creation around us is God's idea. Before there was a tree, God thought a tree. Before there was an elephant, God thought an elephant. Before there was a lion, God thought a lion. Before there was grass, God thought grass. Before there were elements, God thought elements. Before there were angels, God thought angels. All of that was in his head. My God, my God. <laughs> hmm. All right, then. Let's go here. Let's go here. We'll come back. Let's go here. It's in the book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. The Bible says, uh, let this mind be in you. Stay with me now. Let this mind be in you. I'm in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. We got to hurry. Come on now. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Listen who being in the form of God. So this is not talking about Jesus in the manger. This is not talking about Jesus as a 12-year-old. This is not talking about Jesus as a carpenter in Nazareth. This is not talking about Jesus at the waters of Jordan, Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus healing the sick in the synagogues and all of that. This is not talking about Jesus on the cross. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is not even talking about Jesus risen from the dead. No. This is talking about Jesus before he came to the earth. Let this mind Bishop Thompson, come on now. <laughs> Bishop, Bishop, it's so good to see you, sir. God bless you. Listen, listen to this. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When, when, Paul, when? Who being in the form of God thought. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Paul says that I can think with the thoughts that Jesus had pre-incarnate. Paul says that I can grasp the mind of Jesus before Jesus came to the earth. Let this mind be in you, which was, past tense, also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought. So, so that's when he was in his God form, not when he was in his human form. Go on with the text. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Wait a minute. But took on him the form of a servant. See, that's human. That's human. But, but, but he says that we can think like he thought before he took on human form. God Almighty. Now, here's my question. Here's my question, Pastor Sutton. What kind of mind? What kind of mind? that brought oceans, that conceived of oceans. What kind of mind must this have been? Thank you, Lord. That, that, that spun suns 
into the universe. What kind of mind? He said, Lee, he said that it is possible for a child of God to think on a level as he thought before he ever got a body. That's why, don't tell me that we are just physical. We're not just physical. We are spirits with souls. And Paul says, let the mind that Christ had before he had a body, before he had a social security number, before he had a birth date, let that mind be in you. Good God, what kind of mind is that? What kind of mind must that be? Well, one thing is certain, it was the mind of the doer. It was the mind of the doer. God is not just a thinker, but he thinks to do. Now, let's look at this. Let's look at uh, what the Bible says concerning God. In his doing. The Bible says he declares the end. Didn't it say it? It says that our God declares the end from the beginning. 46 and 10 of Isaiah. The Bible says declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient time the things that are not yet done. Saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. <laughs> my, my, my. All right. So now God declares the end from the beginning and we are created how? In his image after his likeness. All right. Then Proverbs, Proverbs chapter uh, 16. Proverbs chapter 16 uh, and verse 3 says this, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Commit thy works to the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Now, it seems to me, you know, there've been a few times, not really, okay, not really, but just trying to grasp what the scripture means. There have been some times when I said, it seemed like that would have been written a little differently. In other words, in this case, doesn't it seem like it should have said, commit your thoughts to the Lord and your works will be established? That's not what it says. It says, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. You know what's happening here? God is giving us the privilege of operating with him as he operates. How many know the work is the outcome? The doing is the end, right? But God says, if you commit the outcome, if you commit the end to me, if you commit the ultimate to me, I will see to it that your intimate is established. He says, if, 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 if you... Because remember, when you are planning, you always plan the end and back up. Think about that. You always plan, the, if you're making plans, typically now, you plan the end and then you back up. God says, give me the end. Give me the ultimate. If you give me the ultimate, I'll establish the intimate. Give me the works. Give me the outcome. Give me the grandeur. Give me the splendor. Give me the award-winning, trophy-earning. Give me that. Let all of that be mine. Let all of that be to my glory. Let all of that glorify, honor, acknowledge me, reflect to me, more importantly. And the thing that you're thinking, I'll establish. He declares the end from the beginning. He says, when you plan... And yes, Mr. Scarborough, you remember that statement from a couple years ago, planning, planning is spiritual. He says, you're starting at the end. Think about it. When, when you're designing a house, 
You're not thinking about two by fours yet. You're not thinking about nails yet. You're not thinking about concrete yet. You're thinking about what it's going to be like when you walk in, when you turn the key or when you cold or what have you. You're thinking about sitting in the living room, entertaining people in the guests' rooms or cooking or all of those kinds of things. You're thinking that that's, that's where you are. You're at the end. God says, give me the end. Give it the end. He says, commit your works unto the Lord. And your thoughts will be established. Thoughts will be established twofold. He will give you what to think. That's the intimate. And he'll give you what you think, the ultimate. Or in other words, Psalm 37, 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will do what? Give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you what to desire, and then he'll give you what you desire. It's the same principle here. So God says, I want to give you the idea, and then I want that idea to come to pass. Commit it to me from the start. The house you're building, commit it to me from the start. The business that you're de developing, commit it to me. Don't, don't, don't you do it and then ask me to bless it. Give it to me. Give me the works and I'll establish your thoughts. God, give me the dream. Dream about me. Dream about how this will glorify me. Dream about how this will bless people. Dream about how this will uh, demonstrate the principles of the kingdom of God. Dream about that. And that, that I, in turn, <clears throat> will work the process. Give me the ultimate. Let me be your ultimate. Let me be your goal. Let me be the intent. And I will give you the intimate. I'll give you the processing. I'll give you the resources. Your thoughts should be established. The Bible says, it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13, God works in you, both to will and to do. God works in you, both to will and to do. God works in you, both to will and to do. Get those doings aligned with the will of God. Get those doing, see yourself fulfilling God's will. See yourself bringing pleasure to his heart and fame to his name. And he'll help you to think better. He'll, he'll, he'll give you resources and resource people and resource structures. Thank God. Um, Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good what? Works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So in other words, the works that I'm going to do, they're the works of God. When I commit to him, I only want to do your works. I only want to do your works. I only want to do that which you're doing. Then he will align your thoughts to match his outcomes. He'll align your thoughts to match his preordained outcomes. You might fall, but you can't fail because the purpose of God never fails. You know, we'd love to stay there, but but let's close here. I mentioned the fact that that it helps to have someone. It helps to have someone who can be the holder of your idea. Someone who can be a sounding board, a partner, someone who is the second. You've been in parliamentary procedural meetings where someone gives a motion and uh, I move that such and such be the case and the uh, the host says, the leader of the meeting says, is there a second? Because without the second, the motion dies. God will give you a second. He'll give you someone who will second your motion. When, when God sent Moses into Egypt, and you know, Moses was very reluctant 
Moses was reluctant to go. And the Bible says that, that and one of the reasons was because he couldn't speak. And uh, he said, and God says, uh, take Aaron with you. And the scripture tells us in verse 27 of Exodus 4, and the Lord said unto Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. You need someone who can meet you in the wilderness before you get to Egypt, before you get the action in action, you need somebody in the wilderness who can just listen to your plan, someone who can listen to your vision, someone who can be a sounding board to you. If you have that, you're blessed. If you have someone who can listen to you in the wilderness, you're blessed. And even more importantly, sow the seed of being that for somebody else. Sow the seed of being that sounding board, the person who can 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 be the holder of somebody's idea, the holder of somebody's plan, the holder of somebody's dream, somebody who won't pounce upon them and, and laugh at them and, and give them 101 reasons why it won't work, but someone who will be the second. In the book of 2 Samuel chapter 11, the Bible says that at the time that kings go to war, David was getting up out of his bed in the evening. When you are a kingdom professional, David was one. When you are a kingdom professional, you must know that doing is a part of your makeup. Doing is a vital and essential part of your makeup, of your composition. And beware of boredom. Beware apathy. Beware of lethargy. Beware of lassitude because you are designed to do. And if you are not doing by design what you are designed to do, you can be distracted. At the time that kings go to war, David is in his palace and he's getting up out of bed in the evening. Now, you know, that's not that's not a professional, not unless he works the night shift. Let us understand that we've got to be working on something. See, that's the question I want to leave you with. What are you working on? What are you working on? What are you working on? What are you planning? What are you designing? What are you dreaming? What are you sketching? What are you drafting? What are you in deliberation about? What are you in conversation about? What applications? What contracts? What are you doing? Boredom can produce burdens. David may have never laid eyes on Bathsheba as he did. In other words, doesn't mean he might not have glanced her in another setting. But when you're engaged in doing what you're called to do and being and becoming and all of that, it makes you a whole lot less susceptible to bathing Bathsheba. Boredom, more than anything else. David had access to any kind of woman he wanted. But boredom can make ugly things pretty. Ugly things cute undesirable things, desirable. Boredom can do it. And so doing is also a safety, a security for you. You're a kingdom professional. And I'm not saying that you don't need a break. Please don't think I'm saying that. I don't mean you don't need rest and relaxation. But even when you're resting, relaxing, you're still reflecting. That's right. There's still something new. There's still something great. There's still something powerful. Because now you've got time to think about those things. Now you've got time to get away from the drudgery and the mundane. Woe to that kingdom professional who does not understand that a major part of his or her security is in doing. The likelihood of you falling off the roof, looking at Bathsheba, is a whole lot less when you are where kings are at the right time. At the time when kings go to war, you are a king. 
and you're supposed to be in the war. Amen. Well, may God bless you. We're talking about doing. You are a doer. You are a doer. You are an accomplisher. And your desire accomplishes sweet to the soul because God is the one who gives you the desire of your heart. Thank you for your time. I hope you've been blessed. Hope you've been uh, strengthened. Please share with others. Well, thank you so much. I want you to go your way. I want you to enjoy the blessing of the Lord for the remainder of your day and of your work week. And until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals encouraging you today to go forth and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan brief and miserable. That's right. Put it in the comments. I am a doer. Together, let us bring pleasure to Christ's heart. Let us bring fame to his name. Amen. You are a doer. You are a doer. The scripture even said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, receiving yourselves. Amen. God bless you. Until we meet again. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.